Let's begin in our text, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And the body he's speaking thereof, he's speaking of the church. Paul's making a comparison to the human body, and it functions just like the church. Uh, your human body is, is one, but it's made up of many members, isn't it? I've got two hands, I've got ten fingers, I've got eight toes, I've got two ears, right? Some of you are sleeping. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's one body made up of many members, and the church is the same way. So he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm, not, uh, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has, composed, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. He'll open up chapter 13 by describing that excellent way. In chapter 13, he describes love, and that's when he tells us that Love is the greatest of all. And so that's the excellent way. So let me talk to you this morning about the lies about the church. And lie number one, and you maybe have heard this, maybe you've been involved in that. You know, the old thing we often ask people is, we say everybody's a sinner. And the one that says, I've never sinned, we, we get them on that technicality, don't we? We say, you just lied because we all have sinned. And so maybe this is a lie that you have told yourself or told someone else. And lie number one is that I don't belong here or I don't fit in. And how many of you have ever heard that before? I just don't feel like I fit in at the church. Or maybe you've told that to yourself. I just don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I fit in. I, 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 I'm just not part of things. And, and that is a lie. And Jesus addresses that lie in this, pa- in this passage. Paul addresses the lie. He says this. Notice verses 15 and 17. He says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And so he addresses that lie that I don't fit in. Just because I'm not like everyone else doesn't mean I don't fit in. In fact, don't you think that church can be very interesting at times when we have people that are very different than us? Wouldn't it be a boring world if we came to church every Sunday and everybody was just like me? Hey, be careful with that amen. (laughs) I said me on that. 
But really, I mean, if, if we all just looked alike and we all sang alike and we all talked alike and we, we, we thought alike, it would be really a, a, a kind of a strange day. This morning we had a, a miracle take place. Don't anybody ever say miracles don't happen in Baptist churches because they do. This morning Kevin got out 15 minutes early from Sunday school. I think the Holy Spirit descended on this place and miracles and signs were done. And I'm not quite sure if it's because we all thought alike about the subject this morning and so there was no discussion about it, or if it was because we were all still asleep from the time change. But really, we don't all think alike, and that's okay. We can have different opinions, we can have different tastes, you can like one hymn and not like another, and it shouldn't hurt anybody's feelings. You can, you know, dress a certain way. We should be embracing our differences. We should enjoy those things that make it. You ever ran across someone that just had an odd sense of humor? And maybe at first you weren't quite sure how to take it, and then after a while, they just cracked you up, you know? They're different than you, and it's funny sometimes. It's interesting sometimes. And, and God says in this passage, look, we're not all the same. Some are going to be the hand, and if the hand wants to say, well, I don't fit in, I don't belong, that doesn't change. It's still a part of the body. We are, I love differences, don't you? I mean, think about it. I, I was attracted to someone that is completely different than me. I'm a dude, she's a gal, Right? <laughs> I'm so glad that she's different, and, and our, we're different in a lot of ways, but she's influenced, bad influence, but she's influenced me to be more like her. But uh, these differences make life interesting. And they actually, if we let them, even within our marriage relationships, opposites do attract, they actually improve the marriage relationship. Because there are areas that I'm weak in that she's strong in, and there's a few areas that she's weak in that I'm strong in, very few, but... Uh, we enhance one another. And the same is true in the body of Christ. We're all different. We've got different tastes, different talents, different gifts, different abilities. How many of you enjoy some of the special music that we have in the services? And we have some very wonderful singers, and, and praise God for that. And then we've got some of us out here that, man, I hope we never hear you sing up front. Hey? Some of us just don't have that, do we? And that's okay. And the Bible says even make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so some of that's our job, make the joyful noise while everyone else sings. But we're all different. But even though we might not sing, we might have the biggest smile in all the world. I had a guy in the church up north. He was one of my deacons. In fact, we started the, the church in his home. But everybody used to tease him about never letting him sing in church. He would sing louder than anybody, but he was not a singer. But it always put a smile on people's heart because he was just exuberant with joy when he sang. In fact, sometimes I wished our more talented singers would show the the great joy that he had while he sang. I think it's because he just didn't care. He just lifted his voice in praise. We're all different, every one of us. Different senses of humor, different everything. But just because I don't feel like I fit in doesn't make it so. Sometimes it's difficult to not be like everyone else, but... That may indeed be exactly what God intended for us. Within the body of Christ, we're going to fit in. And the things that divide us many times, I'm sure there are many more, but the things that come to mind with me is sometimes we're divided by rich and poor, aren't we? Some people say, well, I just don't feel like I fit in because all those people down there are rich. They all drive Ford trucks. And I drive a Chevy. I'm just nobody. Right? Oh. Oh. But rich and poor, and you know, <laughs> it's okay. If, if you don't have a dollar, you fit in right here. 
whether you think you do or not. And if you've got a million dollars, you really fit in right here, amen? (laughs) But we should not be divided by rich and poor. And black and white divides us many times, and I'm simplifying that, but skin color divides us. And you know what? Thank God that in our church, we've got all sorts of skin color. That's the way it should be. That's the way God designed it. And and when we walk into a church and we say, I don't fit in because I'm different than everyone else, well, praise God, then God's fixing the church by bringing you here. Thank God for that. We were talking the other day, and Seth is talking about a a new ministry he's going to do, and he wants to reach out a little bit on our street here on Sundays. And he said, but I'm going to need someone that speaks Spanish to help me because there's a lot of Spanish people. And I said, well, praise God, we got several in the church that do just that. And so... Aren't we glad that they're here, that can help them? There's a reason that we're here. How about young and old? We split over that and divide over that. And we say, I don't feel like I fit in here. I look around and and there's a lot of gray hair. Or we look around and there's a lot of no hair, you know. (laughs) Or there's a lot of purple hair, depending on your age. Or or mohawks. or You know, hey, thank God we're all different. Thank God we're all different. Or married and single. You may be here and, and maybe you're single or, or you're divorced and you look around and everybody's coupled up and you say, I don't feel like I fit in. You fit in. You're a part. God made you a part of that. And just saying, I don't feel like I fit in, doesn't change the fact that God made you a part of the body of Christ. God made you a part. Or healthy and sick. We could go down this list and talk about all sorts of things that that we worry about. I don't fit in. I don't fit in. But Jesus invited the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He invited all of us into his church, didn't he? In fact, in Luke chapter 14, listen to Luke 14. Jesus, it says, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his masters. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. I love that story because the master didn't just open the banquet to people who were in his social circle, but that master wanted his house full. And so because of that, he said, You go out and you bring in the crippled. You bring in the blind. You bring in the lame that can't even walk on their own. You carry them in and bring them into into my house. I want it to be full. And when there was still room, he said, go out onto the streets, to the highways, to the hedges, to the the alleyways, and you, you compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And I think that's a picture of really what should be taking place in the church, that we would invite our family, of course. But amen, the church should be made up of all sorts of different people. There should be crippled people. There should be wheelchairs lined up. We've got a few dings and dents in the lobby out there from wheelchairs and scooters, but praise God for that. Listen, the church is made up of all different types, and don't ever feel like you don't fit in. And when the devil tells you, you don't fit in here, you don't belong here, mark it down, it's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. Jesus also invited children into his church. 
You'd think the church would have been big people stuff, right? Serious business. But listen to Mark 10. And they were bringing children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Can you imagine the audacity of that? That as they bring these children to Jesus, we can't even hardly comprehend that, can we? This is a church that loves children. We, we get the church bus and we run it out there. And if we need to, we fill the van. And, and if those break down, we got car. We're bringing kids in. The disciples rebuked him, said, don't bring these children to Jesus. He's got more important things to do. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The children should feel like they're a part. They shouldn't feel like these are all adults here. We don't fit in. We don't belong. They belong here. They belong here. Just a few minutes ago, they kind of exited out, and it's kind of exciting to watch them come in and sing with us and fun to watch them leave and a little more peaceful when they do leave. But, but amen, they belong. They are a part of this church. Many times we hear people say, hey, the children are the future of the church. And that's true to some extent, but the children are a part of this church right now, right here, and today. Different cultures are involved in the church. In fact, in the book of Acts, and we won't take the time to read there, but in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, we find the church is formed and, and the Holy Spirit falls down. And you heard the story, a, a wind, a rushing mighty wind comes from heaven. The cloven tongues of fire come over them. And, and boy, the, it's the day of Pentecost. But one of the interesting things about that passage, it says in verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. If you go a bit further, he begins to describe all the nations that were represented there. And you know what? That was a healthy church. That was a a church that was on the grow from that point on. And one of the things that marked that church was there was people from all different places on the earth. And our church should be the same thing, shouldn't it? Everyone should fit in. The answer to this lie of I don't belong here is found in verse 18 of the text. In verse 18, he said, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God put them there. He chose who was there. And that's something very important for us to to get a hold of. Years ago, and I hate to admit how many years ago now, but years ago we moved to Fairfield and then into Vallejo to start a church. And when we started that church, Man, I went out and I knocked doors and I did all the things that you do to try to bring people into church. And it seemed like that everybody that came to our church was either out of prison or out of a drug program or saved off the streets. And there were just no people like me. I was the different one. And, and that band began to grow because they'd invite their friends And pretty soon I'd look out in the congregation and all I saw was, you know, nose rings and tattoos and Harley Davidson's filling the parking lot. And they were just so different. I'd go to men's retreat and I'd fear for my life because I realized I was in a room with guys who had spent time in the pen every week. I couldn't play dominoes with them because they were real good at dominoes. And I, I can remember going to some of the pastor's conferences and, and, sometime, and, and then we got the, the label of being, well, we're the, we're the street church. Or we're the, and I remember sometimes just being kind of embarrassed sometimes about the people that were in our church. And man, God just convicted me for that. And he said, you just go and you preach and I'll put who I want in that church. 
God arranges the body. He puts the people in the church that belong there. And you might be here, and you might be different than anyone else today, and that's okay because God put you here. You belong here. The second lie that we hear from the devil is this. I don't need anyone. How many of you ever heard that before? I don't need those people down there. I, don't, I can serve God on my own. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And we, that, that is just not true. In fact, listen to verse 21 of our text. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So this is just wrong. One part of the body cannot tell another part that it doesn't need them because the reality is it does. It does. We desperately, have you ever wounded a hand or had a hand taken out of action and tried to get dressed in the morning with one arm or tried to get around with one leg because one was bummed? Poor Jill, keep Jill in your prayers. She's had one of the batteries removed from her hearing device in her ear, her esteem. And man, she is hating it. because She's had two great hearing ears for a while. And now going back to one, kind of devastating. Now she realizes just what a handicap it is not having that. More than ever before, probably. You know, in our lives, we need to realize in the church that we need each other. And we might look around and we may say, I don't need you. Reality is we need each other more than we think. He says that's just not true. One author said this, over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other are used. We are commanded to love each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, We're commanded to submit to each other, be devoted to each other, and many other mutual tasks. This is biblical membership. These are the family responsibilities that God expects every believer to fulfill through a local fellowship. We need each other, and it is just not true to say, I don't need anyone. Every one of us needs somebody. And you know, the devil many times will tell us that lie to separate us from everyone else. He gets us off all alone. He isolates us from those that truly care about us and those that can watch over us and protect us and encourage us. And he gets us off alone so that the devil can have his way in our lives. We need each other. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he said in verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I think what Jesus is saying is the the really telling mark in a believer's life is how they love one another. And if I don't have you here, other believers, how can I show the world that? If I'm not a part of the body of Christ, how can I be that example of how I love other Christians? I need to be engaged in a local church so that I can love people. And by the way, loving people is not always an easy thing, is it? But don't you think when God looked down from heaven and saw our sin and our wickedness, do you think it was that easy for him to send his son Jesus to die for us on an old rugged cross? Love's a choice. And within the body of Christ, there will be times when we're disappointed in each other. There'll be times when we're hurt by each other. There'll be times when we're offended by each other. 
But ultimately, Jesus said, the mark that the world looks for, for true Christianity, is that we love one another, despite all of these differences. I'll be the first to tell you this morning, I need you. I need you. As a pastor, I need you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, let me give you several ways I need you. I need your prayers. The Bible says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. I need your encouragement, and I hope that you need mine. But Hebrews 10.24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. How many of you need a little bit of encouraging every now and then? How many of you, you know, you need someone to prompt you to do some good works every now and then, to stir you up? We need each other. And I need your help, and, and we all need each other's help. And Galatians 6, 1 says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are times, aren't there, when we are carrying a heavy, heavy load. And for some, as, as I pastor and watch people's lives, it, I just am amazed sometimes of what they carry around. They may carry around some issues at work. They may struggle with some health issues. They may struggle with some issues raising their children in their home or maybe some family issues. But we just carry all of this weight around. And there's nothing wrong with us saying, hey, I need to get to church with my brothers and sisters in Christ where I can have some folks that will help me carry these burdens. We carry some heavy burdens. And lie number three that we hear about the church is they don't need me. They don't need me. And we probably tell ourselves that lie too, don't we? In fact, maybe we, we might word it this way, oh, they're, they're not going to miss me if I'm not there. And I can tell you that's just not so. That's just not so. Or they don't need me. If, if I don't do this, someone else will do it. If I don't teach that class, someone else will teach the class. And if, you know, if I don't do church cleaning, well, someone will do church cleaning. Trust me, we need you. We need you. Listen to verses 29 and 30. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? In other words, what he's saying is, is if, if some of them are missing, some of these elements of this church will be missing. Maybe your thing is just you're an encourager. You're the one with the big smile on your face, patting people on the back, telling them you're going to pray for them. You're the one writing emails. And if, if you weren't here, that would be a missing element in our church. Maybe you're the one that makes strawberry pies. And if you weren't here, who would encourage the pastor, right? <laughs> Or maybe, you know, whatever it is that you do, you may think, they don't need me. Reality is, they do need you. Maybe you're the one that carries candy in your pockets, and the kids run around, and you say, hey, let me give you some candy, and, and you just show them that you love them, and that they're wanted here. And if you weren't here, what a difference that would be. And you can just go down the list of what you do here, and mark it down. You are needed. You do belong here. You may be different from everyone else here, but you're here for a purpose. God knew what he was doing when he placed you in the church. 
Listen to Romans 12, 3 through 8, and he speaks about us in the church. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In verse 6, he says, Having gifts then that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. So he says, let each one of us find that gift that is ours, that thing that God has enabled us to do and empowered us to do, that thing that we do just kind of naturally. It's part of our our makeup. It's just who we are. And whatever it is we do, whatever it is we're good at, do it. In fact, the key part of that verse was found in verse 7 or verse 6. He says, having gifts then that differ according to the grace given to us. And I love these four words, let us use them. Find what God has given you and do it. If it is writing notes, write notes. If it's sending cards, send cards. If it is making strawberry pies for the preacher, make strawberry pies for the preacher. Whatever you do, if it's singing music, sing. Don't bury your talents. If it's writing poetry, talk to us. Man, let's incorporate that and use that gift for God. Whatever your gift is. If you play ukulele, we'll use that. If you play congos, we'll use that. I think sometimes people have gifts in the church that they just don't think the church could use or would use. And I don't think that's the case. You might be surprised. I was at a men's retreat one year, and a guy walked up during the special music portion, and he had a saw with him. What's he going to do, build a workbench? And he got up there, bent the top of the saw over, and started playing it with a fiddle bow. And it was beautiful. That's a gift he had that probably no one ever thought he'd use in church, but he did. Whatever your gift is, use it. God places you in the church for a purpose. And every time he adds someone to the church, he equips the church to continue to grow. Don't believe the lies the devil tells you. Don't believe the lie that says, I don't belong here. Because you do, because God put you here. Don't believe the lie that says, I don't need anyone, because the truth is, you do. We all need each other. And don't believe the lie that says, they don't need me. There's nothing I can do down there. Just because your gifts are different than everyone else's doesn't mean that the church doesn't need you. Together, even with all of our differences, we are commanded as a church to reach out to this world with the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. We come together with all of these differences, and our ultimate goal is to reach the lost. The Bible says this, Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's everyone. You are living in the middle of a world that literally every single soul on the planet of this earth has sinned. And because of that sin, they have fallen short of what God desires for them. They're lost. And to think that we're in a room, maybe we're secluded from all of that sin out in the world because we're here in church. No, 
Everyone in this church has sinned too. In fact, 1 John goes so far as to say, if you say you have not sinned, you're lying and you're deceiving yourself. We all need a Savior, don't we? And Romans 6.23 says that because of that sin, there's a price to be paid. The wages of sin, he says, is death. We're all sinners, and there's a price to be paid for our sin, and that's death. And I know some people say, well, hey, we're all going to die one day. And we will physically. But he's talking about more than just physical death there. The fact is, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, today you not only face physical death one day like all of us, but you're already spiritually dead. There's a separation between you and God. And Ephesians says that God wants to quicken us or make us alive in Christ Jesus. Wages of sin is death, and one day there'll be eternal death, where forever we are separated from God. Some will spend eternity in heaven rejoicing with the angels, because not because they were good or because they did great things, but because they accepted Christ as their Savior. And many will go away into fire and to punishment because they did not accept Christ. And that's why the church must function. Because it's our job to get the good news that not only are the wages of sin death, but he said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we're here for. That's why God put us in Farmersville. That's why he put us in Tulare County. That's why he put you wherever you worked or wherever you live, because there are people all around us every day that need to know that Jesus loves them and that there is salvation, there is good news. We can have a relationship with God. It's time that we just get in and say, I am a part of this church. I'm going to be a part of the church's mission to take the gospel into all the world. Let's stand.